0: We are in Leviticus, uh, I almost said Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 14 this morning. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And we got a lot of leprosy to talk about, so let's get to it. Uh, (laughs) Are you not thankful? Every day I wake up, I try to, every day I wake up, be thankful I live in this time, And in this place that I live in, I'm always thankful that I live in the United States of America uh, where I'm free enough. You know, we can debate how free we are and, you know, where we've come as a country and all that nonsense, but pretty darn free. In the history of the world, as far as every single civilization that's ever been since the beginning until now, we're pretty free. We're pretty free. Uh, Because people have a really bad habit uh of enslaving other people uh and 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 desiring to bring other people under their control that's really the history of the world and sadly uh it's a lot of church history it's a lot of church history uh what begins as a movement of the holy spirit can so often turn into another system of control uh some sort of you got to keep the people moving got to keep the, the people are free And the sooner as a believer in Jesus Christ and a born-again Christian, you realize and understand that you're free, the sooner you're going to be able to successfully walk in his steps and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Being free means you are free to make mistakes. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's not that Jesus is going there, come on, make another mistake. I love it when you make a mistake. That's not what I'm talking about. You have the freedom to just follow Jesus, to throw off the yoke and the burden of expectations, to throw off the yoke and the burden of your own guilt. Uh, Of all the things that condemn you and all, you're able to just throw that off and follow after Jesus. And knowing that when you fall, because you will fall, that Jesus Christ is always going to be there to reach out his hand. That picture that was on our screen before the worship music, the songs, that picture, I love that picture of Jesus standing on the water. On the Sea of Galilee and reaching down. When Peter failed... When Peter's faith failed, now he started out great. Lord, if it's really you, then tell me to come out and walk on the water. Lord, if you're, if you're really the Christ, if it's really you, if it's really you and you're the master, then tell me to do something that it is impossible for me to do. Then tell me to do something and walk someplace that it is impossible for me to walk there. And Jesus says, it is me. Now come out on the water, Peter. And Peter comes out in the water, and he's doing it, guys. He's walking on the water. I don't know if you've ever been in a place in your walk with Jesus Christ, when you've been in a time when you've been walking in communion with God, and you've been fellowshipping with Him in the light, you've been having fellowship with other saints, and you feel like you're walking on water, like everything is right in your life and good in your life, and you're following after, and then the doubt creeps in. The fear creeps in. The world creeps in. And Peter began to look around and began to, instead of just seeing Jesus' face, he began to see the wind and the waves and the storm and the lightning. And the fear came back and the doubt came back and he began to sink. And Jesus, our loving Jesus, showed us the greatest example. He didn't say, ah, well, nice to know you, Pete. If you're gonna walk with me buddy you better come correct let that be a lesson to the rest of you stupid disciples you know peter god rest his soul you know he reached out his hand and he lifted peter up notice then he corrected him peter where's your faith peter where's your faith peter where's your focus god wants our focus to be on him when we talk about leprosy, we're in uh, Leviticus chapter 14, and we're talking about leprosy. Chapter 13 is given to uh, uh, diagnosing someone with leprosy, and chapter 14 is given to uh, talking about the cleansing of a person. Once they're healed or cleansed from leprosy, how to bring that back, that person back into fellowship with the people, back into fellowship, back into right standing with God. No ancient writing. Oh, we better pray first. Let's pray first. You start off almost screwed the whole thing up. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you would cover these verses for us. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would have your way in us today, Father. Thank you so much for this book. Thank you for the instruction, Lord, and the encouragement that's here. We pray that you would help us to find some of that today, Lord, and it would be used to grow us, to strengthen us, draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. No ancient writing is as complete concerning this disease as is found here in Leviticus. There is no ancient writing, there is no ancient text, there is no ancient tablet anywhere found that so thoroughly describes the disease that we call leprosy as is found in Leviticus chapter 13. It is very complete and it is very detailed. I don't know if you guys read ahead uh, or if you ever have read through the Bible before and you've come to this point and you get halfway down to Leviticus and they're like, are you serious? Are you serious? Number one, okay, I get it, okay, I get it. Ew, gross, that was gross, you know. Oh, I get it. What is God trying to say here? What is God trying to do here? Why is God so detailed? Because it was about more than the disease of leprosy. Now, first and foremost, you understand that the disease of leprosy is something you don't want in the camp, right? I mean, we all understand that. We know enough about leprosy to know it's not something you want, Right? It's not something that you want to be allowed in the camp. And a person who had leprosy was called, uh, was determined to be unclean. They were put outside of the camp. If their leprosy was bad enough, they actually had to yell. Whenever they would approach a group of people, they had to yell, Unclean! Unclean! So that the people could get away from them. Just by touching the leprous person, you would become ceremonially unclean. You wouldn't necessarily catch the leprosy, but you would become ceremonially unclean. You would not be able to go into the tabernacle. You would not be able to offer sacrifice sacrifices until you were made clean. So the person who had leprosy had a responsibility to cry out as they went forward and as they saw a group of people, I'm unclean. I'm unclean to give the people notice to get away from them. Now, right off the bat, we have one of the amazing illustrations and the difference given to us between the law and between grace. Because remember when the leper, when Simon leper saw Jesus Christ, and Simon, the Bible says that Simon was full of leprosy from head to toe. He was one of these guys. He was required by the law of Moses to walk around, and when he came near people, he was required to say unclean, unclean. The law required that of him, and it required the people of God to get away from the unclean person. Now watch this. Jesus does something completely different. He does something that's never ever i say get emotional sorry i can't help it i love this stuff he does something that's never ever been done in the history of the world before simon does first when he says master if you are willing you can make me clean and jesus walks up to him and goes rut row raggy you're you're touching him And Jesus looks in his face and he says, the greatest things that could ever be said from Jesus to Simon or Jesus to you, I am willing, be clean. And he made Simon clean that day. This is the difference between grace and the law. We are so blessed to live in the age of grace Concerning uh, leprosy itself, there is a tradition that Pharaoh, who sought to kill Moses, was the first that was ever struck with disease. This is a tradition. It's not a fact. It's not something we know for certain, but I thought it was very interesting that this is a tradition. And that he died of leprosy, and it is said that it began first in Egypt, which would make sense <laughs> to me. Uh, and there, from there, it spread into Syria. It makes me wonder about the plague of boils. Remember the plague of boils and you wonder if somehow that at some point in time is in Pharaoh's in Pharaoh's in, in the twisted nature of his heart how twisted he allowed his heart to become against God. And, and it's interesting that the Bible says that, that a merry heart works uh, laughter works like a medicine right and a merry heart it's like it's like medicine uh, and, and Pharaoh's heart was twisted with hate and with anger and with resentment and with unbelief uh, just something that I wonder about just just kind of food for thought there. Now, concerning leprosy uh, as, it, as it relates or as we might think it would relate to God's judgment, we know that Miriam, Moses' sister, and Gehazi, remember, who was the servant of Elijah the prophet, uh, and also King Uzziah, these, these people were struck with leprosy uh, directly because of disobedience or rebellion against God. It was given to them as a judgment. And Naaman, the Syrian, though he was not a Jew, okay, he was not a Jew, but he was a just man. Naaman was a just man and he was one who believed in God. And yet, it's an interesting picture, he had this leprosy. He had this leprosy where he was separated from his people. And He was a commander of the Syrian army. He was a great man and he was a just man, And it's interesting, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees during his ministry, he says, During the times of the prophets, no Israelite was healed of leprosy. But Naaman the Syrian, who was not a Jew, God did heal him of leprosy. And it's a beautiful picture for us of two things. First of all, even though Naaman was a just man, he still had this leprosy. And leprosy is always, for the Christian, a picture, a symbol of sin in our lives. And the deteriorating, rotting effect and ultimately destruction that it brings to our lives. That's what leprosy is the picture of in scriptures for us as believers. And so it's interesting to note that even though Naaman was a good and a just man and a man of valor, without without God, without the knowledge and understanding of God, he was still in sin. He was still susceptible to that leprosy. But when he came, even though he was a Gentile, even though he was not able to to serve or worship uh, or offer sacrifices in the tabernacle, even though he was not able to be one of the people under the ceremonial law, Naaman drew near to the man of God, believing that God was able to heal him, and God healed him, showing us once again that it is faith that forgives a person of their sins. It is our faith that justifies us. It's not works. And there's no more beautiful picture than Naaman the Syrian, this Gentile, this adversary, if you will, who comes to God and God cleanses him and heals him. Um, The disciples, remember, suppose that the blind man... Uh, or one of his parents had sinned. Remember, they saw the man sitting there begging, and he was a blind man, and they asked Jesus this question. Jesus, who sinned? Was it this man, or was it his parents that sinned? Because they believed, in their tradition, that if you sinned, God would very likely strike you with sickness, with illness, with disease, or even if your parents were bad people. You, would be, you could be struck by God with illness or sickness or disease. But Jesus, and I think this is a very important point for us to understand, he was very careful to teach the disciples neither. He said neither. It's not because of his sin, and it's not because of his parents' sin. This is for God so that God might be glorified in this man. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Is it possible That God might allow sickness and disease in my life. Or that God might allow trials or tribulations in my life. Insert your thing here. Okay? So that he might be glorified through it. And that's something that God has done down through the ages amongst his people. He's allowed his people to suffer. He's allowed his people to go through hardships, through trials, and through tribulations. So that his name might be glorified. Yesterday we had uh, our, our, uh, our ride day that we do for my buddy Anthony Pavia. He comes to church when he can. He's a part of the SCA motocross ministry. He's the first Christian dirt biker uh, that I met uh, when I started riding a dirt bike. And, and um, I was introduced to him. He's just a beautiful brother. He loves the Lord with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. I mean, he is a worshiper. Um, I love the kid. And God saw fit to give him two sons who both have a disease called microcephaly. And basically, to, to sum it up for you, they're they're handicapped every single way that it's humanly possible for a person to be handicapped. Okay? With, they are, they have their, it's a round-the-clock care. They could very likely uh, choke to death, asphyxiate on their own saliva. They have to continually... They put a hospital wing, basically, on their house so that they could continually care for these two boys. And so often, Anthony and I have had conversations, and, and in being very frank with me, would say... Why, Frank? Why do you think? I just, I still, I don't know and I don't understand why. You know, I, God's given me gifts and God has given me abilities and I so want to be a part of this motocross ministry and, and the church and so many other things and yet I, I'm a prisoner in my house so often because, because of my children. But see, what Anthony doesn't, doesn't can't see from the, the, his standpoint that the rest of us can see is two things. First of all, I have never met more devoted, loving parents than Anthony and Anna Pavia. Never. Never. Most of the kids like this, parents have one kid, they'll put him into a, a home because they can't deal with it. It's too much. Round the clock. They have two sons. If there's not a nurse there, there has to be a body on one of the boys at all times. It never stops. It never ends. Sometimes their brain won't shut off and they won't sleep for 36 hours. And they're constantly getting infections and constantly getting sick. And they have to wonder, is this it? Is he going to die today? Is this going to be the illness that takes his life? And yet every single time you see those boys, they are washed. They are clean. Their hair is cut and done. They're dressed to the nines because they take such great care in loving their boys. They may be sick, they may be handicapped, but we're going to make them as beautiful as we possibly can. They love those boys more than you can imagine. I've had people say to me concerning uh, Anna and Anthony, do you, think, do you think that it would be easier for them if the, if the boys just passed? Like it would almost be a relief. I say you can only say that because you don't understand love that they do. They love those boys and they adore those boys with all of their heart. And their entire lives are for those boys. I've never seen anything like it. The second thing that always amazes me about my buddy Ant is he always praises the Lord. He never is angry at God. He never is resentful towards God. He never has a bad attitude towards God. He understands God is being glorified in me. For whatever reason, for whatever, whatever God's purpose is, I don't know it, I don't understand it, but I believe that he's being glorified by using us and allowing us and our boys to suffer for his glory, for his namesake, somehow. And he says to me, Frank, it stirs up this hope within me. And always when I look at my boys, I see the hope. One day, Frank, one day they're going to dance. One day they're going to be in the presence of Jesus, and they're going to sing, and they're going to walk, and they're going to run, and they're going to dance. That's my hope. Who? And so, he's an example. I'm always telling you, dude, you don't know. You don't understand. It's embarrassing to be a parent around the previous. You're like, well, geez, I'm really a deadbeat dad. I thought I love my kids. Here I thought I love my kids. I really don't even like them that much, you know. I mean, you've watched these guys with their kids, the care, the love. Just kidding, kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're all right, you know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Sometimes, sometimes God allows things in our life so that he might be glorified. But that will being done, that being accomplished is determined upon us, having hearts of faith, having that, that, that mind and that heart to say, Here I am, Lord. Behold. Remember Mary said, Behold. Mary didn't know when the angel said you're going to be with child. Oh, great. I'm virgin. I'm not married. I'm going to be pregnant. That'll work out well. That works out great for young Jewish girls. (laughs) You know what I mean? Thanks, God. Thanks for choosing me. You know what I mean? Mary wasn't like, Oh, Christmas. (laughs) I'm dead. They're going to kill me. That's what Mary thought. They're going to kill me for this. That's stoning, bro. Behold,
1: the handmaiden
0: of the Lord. Let it be unto me as you have said. Wow. Wow. That's the kind of faith God's looking for. God's not looking for perfection. God's not looking for you to be perfect. God's looking for you to have faith, to believe, and to have a desire to walk in His steps. Look, listen. We all got a boil. We all got a spot. We all got a blemish. Some of us might have full-blown onset leprosy, right? There's no one that's outside of this. And there's nothing in the Bible that says, "Your, your, your, your sin is okay. Don't worry about it. God understands. No, no. Jesus had to be tortured to death for your sin. Don't ever, ever take that lightly. He was tortured to death for our sins. So I don't ever frivolously say, well, I have the sin in my life, but God understands that I'm washed in the blood and I'm under the grace, the covenant of grace. That's true, but it's never a thing to be taken lightly. Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Oh God, help me walk in your ways. Oh God, take out this disgusting heart of stone. And put in there a heart of flesh for your namesake. Lord, conform me into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, who was a beautiful man on the inside and who loved you and served you. And the first thing every single day in Jesus' heart, what is the will of my Father? Jesus was up before the Son every single day in prayer before His day started. And if Jesus needed to start His day in prayer... And because he had right standing with God, and because God was with him, that's how he was able to show the love that he showed to the people. I want to love people, God, but, you know, I hate these. I can't stand. You know, you go to the mall, and you're just like, oh, look oh gee. I mean, that's, uh, I just want to go home. You know, you go pick whatever you're for. You know what I mean? I, I, ready? Truth? Honest? You buckle up. You Sure. I'm an American. I'm a red-blooded, flag-waving, gun-toting American. I love it. Amen. And when I go to Walmart and I see f- 20 burkas, my wicked, disgusting, prejudicial, awful, dark heart goes, well, we shouldn't allow that around here. Uh, uh, uh. And then God comes along and and says, hey, uh, Chubbs, Let me fill you in on something. Let me remind you of something. I died for every single person behind that burqa. And they are of no less value to me than you are. And I have to understand and I have to acknowledge there's something wrong in my heart Listen, this is what it means to be a believer. Though the righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. The wicked fall by calamity. You've got to be honest with yourself. I'm a leprous, stinky, disgusting bag of skin. Okay? I'm wicked. My heart's wicked. My thoughts are wicked. We lie. We lie to ourselves. There are none so deceived as those who are self-deceived. God knows anyway. Kids, he knows anyway. You read the scriptures, and and Jesus, knowing his thoughts, (laughs) whoa, whoa, oh, that ain't going to be good. He already knows, and he wants you to be like a child. Unless you become like a child and humble yourself, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. A little kid is willing to run to their parents, filthy and disgusting and covered in filth and and having just stolen cookies from the cookie jar, and they're found out. They're willing to run to their parents, and they're willing to, and let themselves go and confess to their parents. It's not until they get older that they're like, it wasn't me. When they learned to lie. I saw Frank Lee in the kitchen earlier. I, I suspect it was him. You know? <laughs> I suspect it was him. Little kids have no guile. They walk up to me and they go, You're fat! And I'm like, I'd kick you in the head if your mother wasn't standing. <laughs> There's no guile. Listen, understand. Now listen. God wants us. To come to him like that. Look. Here it is. Oh, Lord, help me. First of all, can you forgive me? Yup. God, can you help me? Yup. God, can you conform me? Can you make me like Jesus? Yup. How long is it going to take? Long time. Long time. You keep walking, you keep moving forward. God certainly can punish people through disease or infirmity, but no one should ever think that they are sick because of some particular sin in their life. We are all sick with the disease of sin. It permeates the world and us. And I believe that all death and diseases are a result of living in a fallen world. It's not about us. It's not about us. We are simply caught up in the struggle between sin and righteousness, light and darkness, life and death. Fallen world, guys nobody gets out in, nobody gets out alive you understand that right and let, barring the rapture no one gets out alive and every single one of us is susceptible to what's in this world in this world you will have tribulation jesus said but be of good cheer you're a christian you're a king's kid you're never going to be sick and you're going to be rich wait a second But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Your life, your worth, your value, your your being a king's kid is beyond this life. It's not so you could have a fancy car or money in the bank or the great job or the perfect life. You're a king's kid for the next life. You're bound for the kingdom. The Bible says we are sealed for the day of redemption paid in full when jesus said to telestai it is finished literally that means paid in full and when the freight would arrive uh in the harbor and it had come from overseas and it had already been paid for it would be stamped upon it to telestai and that's what's stamped on you and when you enter into the kingdom of heaven, even though you've got spots of leprosy in your flesh and you've got this thing you're struggling with and that thing you're fighting with, on your forehead it says, Tetelestai. It is finished. It is paid in full. Amen. No one, let no one think ever that they'll enter into the kingdom of God because of their righteousness. Because they're good. It's because He's good. He's good. Okay, where are we? Diagnosis. Because of all this, the diagnosis and differentiation between a sore or a scab and leprosy, this is important for us, was to be defined by God's word, not the priest. We are held to the same perimeters. We must not call sin, sin, excuse me, we must call sin, sin, as stated in God's word, and we must not condone or condemn based on a person's status or relationship to us. The Bible teaches us very specifically, God is no respecter of men. I don't know if ever, when you're reading through the gospels, that point in time when when it says that John was in prison because um, Herod was out and about. And remember, John went up to Herod? King Herod was like, "It's not lawful for you to have your sister, your brother's wife, to the king." I don't know about you, I've ever what John? Why did you? You didn't have to say that. Like really, John? Like you got to go to Herod? Can't you just stick to the Pharisees? John's ministry was to call men to repentance. That was John's ministry. That was his deal. That was what God had ordained him for. And it didn't make any difference if it was a Pharisee or if it was the king. And so when he saw Herod, he called it out. It is not lawful that you have your brother's wife. And he was thrown into prison for it and eventually beheaded. But we are not to be respecters of men either. But even though we are required to call sin, sin, to not make excuses for sin, we are to never go beyond the specific boundaries of God's word nor is it our right or responsibility to judge people. That's where we mess it up. That's where we mess it up. Can you imagine if the priests were not given any biblical standard? God had not given them specific instructions for diagnosing leprosy. And somebody comes in with eczema. You ever had eczema? I used to get it bad, pipe fitting. I mean, I had to have literally like bubbles. Yeah blisters it was nasty hand big cracks my hands like i'm home honey and she'd be like you know, why you know and <laughs> and and can you imagine a person and what's it, a priest why a priest why not a physician why not a doctor why is it a priest because the priest was given god's word this is how you know that this is leprosy it's not up to you i don't need your smarts i don't need your brains your great judgment to determine that this person has leprosy here's the parameters here's what it is you say what it is you call it what it is and you leave you out of it that's tough for christians can i get an amen (laughs) right that's hard i know what you're doing i know why you're doing it i know what's going to happen because you're doing it and i know whose fault it is i know all these things i can just judge you man I can just oh, Lord, I just pray for so-and-so, because I know they're doing this, and I know it's because of this, and I know what's going to happen because of it, Lord, and they're just wicked, really, Lord, and just not as holy and righteous as me. And Oh, my gosh, we can become Pharisees. We call sin, sin. The Bible says what it says. People say to me all the time, I've had people say to me, what gives you the right to tell me, whoa, whoa, I say, whoa, stop. I'm a sprinkler fitter. Like, I went to a so-so high school, I flunked out of college, I did a lot of drugs. You know, you can't trust what's up there. I, I'm nobody. I have, There's nothing, man. I only know what God's Word says. I have no authority. God's Word has the authority. And that's the question we have to ask our friends and neighbors when they ask us these kind of questions. What's your authority? Well, I believe because God knows that I'm a good person and because I have these good things in my heart and I do these good deeds. I think God has to take that into account. God's got to do nothing but go by what His Word says. The Bible says that God honors His Word above His name. How important do you think the Bible is to Him? And when the Word of God says something... It says it. We don't get to explain it away. We don't get to make excuses for it. We don't get to say, well, it's different now. No, it's not. God, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so we need to be aware of that, and we need to be honest with people. They don't need our dishonesty. They don't need us to be nice. They need our love. You who are parents, you know love ain't always nice. Oh, Johnny, ow, don't kick mommy. (laughs) No, you're nice, but that ain't love. Johnny, if you kick me one more time, (laughs) (laughs) wait till your father gets home, you know what I mean? Because dad don't care. I'll burn your stuff. I'll burn it. I don't care. Burn his house down, really. I don't care. Right? Love is disciplining your child. It's not love. love. To just let your kid do anything? And, oh, that's cute. That's nice. People don't need us to be nice. It's a bonus. It'd, it'd be helpful. <laughs> but they need your love. And love is honest. You cannot have love apart from truth. Come on, people. You married to someone and they don't know anything about you? Oh, we're in love. Oh, no, you ain't. And that's going to be a problem. Open books. Marriages are supposed to be open books. There's nothing that my wife doesn't know about me or can't easily find out about me. And let me tell you something. That don't always work in my favor. What did you do to this? I don't, I don't know. You know. <laughs> it was, Frank Lee, he was in the you kingdom. No. Openness. Honesty, that's what love is. But God's word, that's the parameters. Listen, just because God says this is sin doesn't mean he hates the sinner. Hello, read the Gospels. How did Jesus treat sinners? And I'm talking about prostitutes. I'm talking about uh, people who were traitors to the Jewish um, community, to, to the nation of Israel. They were traitors. How did Jesus treat them? He loved them. He loved them. He wanted to come into their lives. He wanted to be a part of who they were. Not so they could stay the same, but that they, through knowing Him, would be changed from the inside out. And guys, that's always the way it happens, from the inside out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You in Jesus' name, and we thank You for Your Word, Lord, and uh, we thank You, Father, that we are washed in the blood of Your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank You, Father, that even though we can have blots and blemishes, Lord, on our lives, and we can even be leprous, Father, uh, that we've been made clean because of what Jesus accomplished for us. Father, we pray that you'd help us to, to not just know that, Lord, but to know that, Lord, to own that information in our hearts. Lord, to really to dwell on it, to think about it, to contemplate it, Father, so that we can put it into practice in our lives and in our hearts. We love you and we praise you, Father. I pray that you would be with my brothers and sisters, Lord, as they go from this place. I pray that you'd you'd bless them and you'd keep them. I pray that you'd watch over them and protect them. I pray that you'd cause your face to shine upon them, that you'd be gracious to them, Lord, that you'd lead them in your paths of righteousness and truth, Lord. And I pray that you would help them to have surrendered hearts, Lord, that wherever you lead them and whatever it is that you decide to do in their lives, Lord, they would understand and they would know they would believe, uh, Lord, it's that you might be glorified in them, Father. And thereby, <laughs> it's for their good. Therefore, it's for their good. I pray, Father, you'd help us all to, to know that, really know that and understand that, Lord. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.